Who's the better cook, your mom or your dad? My mom is a better cook. And what's the best meal that she makes? For, for me, they, they made pumpkin pie. I love those. The strawberry pie wasn't good. We got at the store. What is the perfect meal? Macaroni. Pie. Strawberries. And blueberries. And raspberries. And pomegranates and grapes. That sounds like a fruit salad. No. <laughs> What kind of food can you make? I can make really yummy salad. Pie with chocolate in the middle. It's a strawberry on top. What's better for you, candy or vegetables? Candy. Vegetables. Yummy. Why is candy better for you? Because it's the candy's nutritious. Yeah. Okay. Why are why are vegetables better for you? Because they're healthy. And what makes them healthy? What is the perfect Christmas meal? Chocolate, candy, and presents, and Christmas tree and star. I don't think you should be eating presents or Christmas trees. My, I have a tea party with my dad with tea and the teapot and beautiful cups. That's adorable. <laughs> oh, our kiddos are the best. Well, welcome to December, and you know that, that we are on a countdown toward Christmas Eve. In fact, you need to know that the things we're going to start talking about today are going to launch us into a discussion that will culminate on December 24th at our Christmas Eve services. Uh, this year, our services are at 4 p.m., 6 p.m., and then at 11 p.m., and we would love to invite you to join us, uh, family and friends to join us. It, it's just going to be a really fun way to conclude the, the discussion that begins today. Uh, by show of hands, how many of you have started putting up your Christmas decorations? Uh, so many. How about listening to Christmas music yet? Any? All right. How, how many of you have made the trip down to Snowflake Lane? Anybody already been there? Okay, excellent. Yeah, it is started. In fact, you need to know that it is 19 days away until Christmas morning. We're talking 456 hours, right? There is a countdown going. Um, in fact, last Wednesday, I was talking to my friend Sean. Uh, we're dropping our kids off here at church, and he told me, oh, Pastor Mike, my wife and I are completely done with our Christmas shopping. And I said, good for you. I felt like punching him just a little bit. Because, right, there's this stress, and, and you realize that your kids, if you have kids, they're, they're just pulsating with excitement of this season. The house is getting prepared. The lights are going up. The dog is drinking all of the water out of the Christmas tree basin, right? There's all sorts of stuff going on. You've got traditions and meals and gifts and decorations all coming together to create what we call Christmas, and yet in the midst of all of this drive toward the perfect tradition or the perfect holiday, uh, many of us end up missing it. 
we're actually, so many of us, because we're, we're so dominated by the tasks that we have to get done in this season and the places we have to go and the things we have to do and the gifts we have to buy, we end up missing out on what's most important. So if you have your notes, you'll see that the title of today's message, the title of our series is we're gonna choose to be present over the drive for perfection. In other words, it's so much more valuable for us to actually be with our family and friends, to actually understand what's going on in the midst of all of this craziness. We're going to choose to be present over perfect. And that's the challenge that I want to bring to you today. And and today you'll see the title of the message is is talking about making the, the perfect holiday meal. But before I get into that, I need to tell you a little disaster story uh, happened in our home, Howerton Home, this Thanksgiving. Early in November, my wife and I had made a decision that we were going to do just a little bit of remodel in, in our, our, our bedrooms. We were going to take out some gross carpet, put in some hardwood. And so we had to move everything out of all of our bedrooms to do this. We just shoved it all in the living room, which made our living room look like this. And, uh, which meant that we couldn't use the upstairs, couldn't use the, the living room. And so we were all piled in the basement, sleeping on the floor. And, th- and that was kind of where we were for much of November. The install kept getting delayed. It went longer and longer. And then right when we were coming up to our deadline, uh, the power goes out for two days. We're kind of stressing, my wife and I, because we had guests coming in and, and, and we had this dream of what Thanksgiving was going to be like. Of course, that's when the oven goes out. So we schedule the repairman to come on the morning that there is no power. His soonest reschedule is 11 days out. At the same time, the refrigerator goes. So we move everything out of the refrigerator into the garage, which is conveniently 37 degrees. <laughs> and about this time, we realize this is not going to be the perfect Thanksgiving. And so my wife and I, we just sort of let go of our expectations and we, we sort of changed our plans and changed what we thought should and could happen. And do you know it ended up being one of the most delightful Thanksgivings we've ever had? Just the Howerton Five together enjoying this day in the midst of chaos. And I want to tell you that that's sort of this tension that we we want to go after throughout this entire series is what does it take for us to navigate our way through this holiday season? In the classic holiday movie, A Christmas Story, the turkey dinner gets devoured by the neighbor's dogs. And so the family heads out to the local Chinese restaurant for a goose dinner. Maybe you remember this clip. Yes, it's a beautiful duck. Yes, it really is. It's, uh, uh, but you see, it, uh, it, it's smiling at me. Oh, yeah, it's perfect. Uh, One big stress we have in the holiday season has to do with the holiday meal. 
And it has to do with planning the holiday meal and then preparing the holiday meal and making sure that the planning and the preparation is perfect so that the food will turn out perfect so that the eating is perfect. And in addition to all that, in addition to it tasting perfect, it's got to look perfect as well. And there are all sorts of comparisons that we go to, things that that press in on us, things like the Jones Design Company or Crate and Barrel. And and, and believe it or not, there is a biblical story that speaks to this exact reality. If you have your Bibles this morning, you might want to open them up to Luke chapter 10, verse 38 and following. And if you don't, it'll be on the screen. It's in your notes as well. This is a passage of scripture that is known as Jesus with Mary and Martha Stewart. Okay, that's, that's what it's about. Uh, many of you might be familiar with this. You know, Jesus was friends with Mary and he was uh, friends with their brother Lazarus and he was friends with Martha. Martha, scholars believe, was the oldest in this sibling trio, a, a sort of a matriarch. It was her home, and she was the one who welcomes Jesus and his disciples in. And so this is what it says, starting in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Okay, so Mary is the homeowner. Martha is the little sister. She, you know, Jesus comes in. She's just hanging out with him, listening to what he has to say, kind of just, you know, spending those, those moments with him. Martha, of course, has, there's a different expectation for her. And I heard a great message once given by Pastor Judah over at City Church. He said, it's easy to be Mary when you don't have to be Martha. Right? It's easy to be Mary, just sit at the feet of Jesus, just soak it all in, re- really just be in the moment when you don't have any responsibilities you have to pull off. And so he kind of get this picture that, you know, Mary, she spent her 20s maybe backpacking around Europe trying to find herself, you know. <laughs> and she lived for like 15 years on just a hunk of cheese and some bread and top ramen. And, and finally she got a little tired of that. So she decides to move back in with Martha, you know, to help. Uh, but the, the barista job downtown didn't really pan out. And so now Mary's spending a lot of time on the porch writing poetry and strumming guitar. She's the freeloading little sister, in other words. Meanwhile, Martha is the responsible one, type A personality. She's the one paying the mortgage. She's the one putting food on the table, making the trips to Costco, making sure the kids get to soccer practice on time. She's the one who's getting things done, in other words. And and that's sort of the, the scene that you have in all of this. And what I would suggest to you is that most of us can identify with Martha. Most of us have things to do. Martha had things to do. I have things to do. I, I, I bet most of us, we have things to do. We've got places to go. We've got a task list we're operating off of. You know, it's so funny. There's this phrase that my wife and I used to use, and we have ceased using this phrase in our conversations, but we used to say to one another, you know, when this season gets through, life is going to slow down a whole lot. The reason why we stopped saying it, it was a lie. 
Life's not getting any slower. It just keeps getting busier and busier and busier. And friends, the holiday season is the busiest season of all. And so I just want to say this clearly. It's easy to be merry if you don't have to be Martha. Martha's the one in charge. Martha's the one who's responsible. Mary, because of Martha, is just free to sit at Jesus' feet. And this is what this says, verse 40, the first part. says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Martha was distracted. Jesus is in her home, but she's distracted. Why? Because of all the preparations that had to be made. Friends, are there preparations required to host a holiday meal? The answer is yes, there are. And when you think about preparing your home and your, your meal for holiday guests, suddenly you realize, oh, I get why Martha is distracted. No wonder she's stressed. Should she use these dishes or should she use these dishes? Should she prepare this dish or should she prepare this dish? How is she going to caramelize this sauce to drizzle over the dessert? She's distracted. Her, her mind is racing, her feet are running, her fingers are flying. She's getting buried under the avalanche of preparations. She has both ovens going, as well as the smoker out on the patio. <laughs> her casseroles are setting up nicely, but the cake she rushed turned out a little flat, and she still has to tie up the silverware with the old world ribbon from Restoration Hardware. And so she's getting stressed and more stressed and more stressed, and it's all for Jesus, of course. Now, can I just give a little bit of an aside? If Jesus and his buddies were coming to stay at my house, I would be a little stressed out too. I would spend all day cleaning. I would make sure that my Bible and prayer journal were out on the coffee table with an easy visual sight. I would fold my toilet paper into a nice little rose at the end. Yeah, you know, and everything would be perfect. We would start the evening with hors d'oeuvres and drinks. I'd be tempted just to give him water, see what he made with it. I, I, make sure that we serve, you know, cedar plank salmon and, and fresh baked bread and, and the delicious salads. And, and after the main course, there'd be dessert and coffee in front of a fourth quarter Seahawks victory because Jesus loves the Seahawks. I know this, maybe not biblically, but, but personally, I know this. And and then maybe we'd take a stroll in the outdoors because you know what? He made the outdoors and he'd appreciate that. And, and everything would be perfect. And you can realize that if you were in Martha's scenario, you, you'd, you'd be very tempted to do exactly the same things because you care about Jesus and you want to honor Jesus. And when there are people coming to your home you want to honor, you bring out the best china and you go after the best recipes and, and you want to make sure that you're offering the best of what you have and, and what you can offer because that's how you show you care. And yet I wonder sometimes if Jesus isn't as interested in what we can do for him as much as he is in what we do with him. And so, and so Martha is distracted. And her distraction and all the preparations and everything she thinks she has to do and pull off and the task list, it, it's weighing her. It's a burden for her. And she's getting frustrated. Frustrated. 
How many of you have ever been frustrated because of all the things you've had to pull off? Has anybody been frustrated? We can identify with Martha. We can understand what Martha is experiencing here. And it's in her frustration that she comes to Jesus. This is what it says in the second part of verse 40. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. You might want to circle the words, don't you care? Because that's the pivotal question. Don't you care, Jesus? God, don't you care? Do you only care about me when I can be Mary? Do you only care about me when I can be locked into these hours of prayer? Do you only care about me when I'm sitting at your feet in worship? Are those the only times you care? Because life doesn't afford me those moments all the time. And I've got things I have to do. And I've got to be in the kitchen. I've got to be in the workplace. I've got to be shuttling my kids here and there. There's so much Martha I have to do. And don't you care? Doesn't that matter? Isn't that important too? And some of you, maybe today, you're, you're really feeling it. You feel the weight of toil. You feel the hard road you're walking, and maybe for you, that is the prayer. Jesus, don't you care about what I'm facing? Don't you care about the road I'm walking? Don't you care about the exhaustion I'm feeling? And Christmas is God answering that question. Christmas is God saying, I do care. I do see you. I will not remain far removed. I am going to come to you. I'm going to be born in your midst as a babe. I am going to be Emmanuel, which means God with you. Yes, I care. And friends, I just want to remind you that Christianity is not primarily about what you can do to serve Jesus. It's primarily about what Jesus has done serving you. He loves you. He does care. You know, the scripture tells us that we are to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. And I want to tell you, it's hard for us to do that. It's hard for us to release our cares to God until we see that he cares for us, that he does care. We can release what we're concerned about because of his care. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God. For he cares about you. So Martha goes to Jesus and says, don't you care? Jesus, don't you care about all this stuff that I have to do and the work I have and the to-do list? Make her help me. Now what I want you to notice is that Jesus does not rebuke Martha. He does not rebuke her. But what he does is love her in this moment and then try to unburden her. So this is what he says. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. A lot of scholars, as you unpack this passage, you see that that, that that name repeated. It is such an endearing moment we see. As Jesus so tenderly cares for Martha, his friend. Martha, Martha, he says to her. 
You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Okay, let's unpack this a little bit. And the question I want to let linger in the air for a moment is, is what is that one thing, indeed one thing is required? I want you to start thinking about what that is that he's talking about. But the first thing we see from how Jesus cares for Martha and how he tries to unburden her is this. If you're filling in the blanks, the first thing is few things are needed. Few things are needed. Friends, we are the ones who allow our expectations to build bigger and bigger and more stressful and more stressful year after year after year. But what Jesus says is few things are needed. See, we're the ones who dictate what the table has to look like, what silverware we have to use, and the coasters with the Christmas trees on them. And where are the coasters with the Christmas trees on them? And last year I put them in this Christmas bin. This year they're not here. Kids, what have you done with the Christmas tree coasters? We're the ones, and Jesus says, few things are needed. Let, let me show you a picture of my table last Christmas. It's so simple. It's so... No, it's the opposite, right? Like Jesus says, few things are needed. When he says few things are needed, what's he saying? He's saying, your Christmas does not have to look like Downton Abbey. Right? He's, he's saying few things are needed. And this is true for our holiday preparation. And friends, this is true in our lives. This is, a, this is a profoundly important truth for us to get, not just at Christmas, but for all time, that few things are needed. And the challenge is to simplify, to clarify what are the things that are needed, what are the few things, and then to trim all the rest. Sometimes the things we think we have to do are really things that we do, not for our family, not for our faith, not for others, they're really for us. It's a subtle form of self-gratification or making ourselves look a little bit more important. Other times we have traditions that have been passed on to us that we think we must continue to carry forward, but there really has very little meaning in them. We're really not communicating anything with the things that we're carrying forward. Meanwhile, with all the stress we put on ourselves, Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Jesus says, few things are required. And friends, if we let him lead us in this season... If we lean into him and listen to his, his, just that discernment so that we can hear his prompting, he'll instruct us on what is required and what isn't. The scripture says in Psalm 32, 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. And so we press in and we want to hear his instruction. We want to obey his counsel for, for what are the few things that are needed. And as we do, as we press into him, Jesus will confirm in you that some of the things that you're going after, some of those things are now. That we should do them now. We should, we should keep that tradition. We should value that and we should continue to value that as we build the traditions in our home. But he will also show you what things are next. In other words, what, are, what things are not now, but maybe what things are next year? What do, we, what do we build for future years? And the third thing that he'll show us is what things are never. 
what things are not ever. That that, that tradition or, or that burden, that doesn't build you and it doesn't build your faith and it doesn't build your family and so you should drop that altogether. What things are now, what things are next, what things are not ever. I was talking to my friend, Pastor Pat, this week, and he was telling me about a friend of his who has a Christmas tradition every single Christmas Eve. What, what this guy, he's grown up with this tradition that, that in his home, they would make from scratch this huge vat of clam chowder. And so now he's an adult, he's got a family of his own, but he has the same tradition every year. He has this huge vat, this huge pot of clam chowder he bakes from scratch in his kitchen. And it takes a lot of time, there's a lot invested to build this thing from scratch and and you build for hours. His whole family has to work around him in the kitchen. Of course, it makes the kitchen smell just a little clammy over the course of those hours. And then the final kicker is this, no one in his family likes clam chowder. but it's a tradition. And I just want you to understand that, that when it comes to this, right, when I'm pressing in or your, your spouse presses in or even right now the Holy Spirit might be convicting you on a couple of traditions you have and when it comes to laying down a tradition, if it's hard for you, that means it's got some ownership of you. That, that means that it, it needs to be looked at even more closely. If it's hard for you to lay a tradition down and you don't know why, it just means it has some ownership over you. Meanwhile, Jesus, he's so gentle and he's so kind and and he does not rebuke, but he says, my yoke is easy. He says, few things are needed and only one thing is required. So let's go back to that. What is the one thing that's required? It's that with Jesus opportunity. If you're filling in the blanks, the last one is we are invited to share all moments with Jesus. That we would share all moments. He's the one thing. And so as we approach this holiday season, my challenge is that we would choose to be with Jesus. That we would invite him into the moments of our preparation. Our chopping the vegetables, our cooking, our time with family, our tradition. Remember, he is the reason for this entire season in the first place. And I just want to let you know that the the tendency is that we are very binary by nature. So we think it's either or. Either we're Mary or we're Martha. Either we sit at the feet of Jesus or we do the things that we need to do. And, And what I'm challenging you with this is, no, it's actually not binary at all. We can invite Jesus into all of the moments of this season. We can invite Jesus into the moments of us preparing a meal and chopping the vegetable and baking the cookie. And we can invite Jesus into the moments of putting up the decorations. Some of you are like, Pastor, I can't invite Jesus into that moment. I swear too much when I put up the decorations. That's why you need to invite Jesus into that moment. But, but, but we, are, we have this opportunity to, to invite Jesus when you're with your family. Invite Jesus into that moment. When you're, when, when you're doing what you have to do and going where you have to go and, and knocking things off that task list, invite Jesus into that moment. I am convinced that all moments can be holy. All moments can be sacred if we will but turn our minds, our thoughts, if we'll invite Jesus into that moment. 
And, and, and the challenge is that we are mindful. That's really the word. If you want to write that down and kind of mull over it, that we would be mindful. Another word that you might use is aware. You know, Jesus had a divine awareness. In Scripture, we see that Jesus prepared meals as well. We see him, he prepares a breakfast, a fried fish for his disciples on the shore of Galilee. We see that Jesus helps in the preparation for the Passover meal that he, that he serves his disciples at the, the day known as the Last Supper. And by the way, there's no indication in scripture that those were the only meals that Jesus helped prepare. He was on a road trip with his buddies for three years straight. There's every indication that they took turns around the campfire doing the lamb kebabs. That, that Jesus would, would, you know, he'd just be a part of, of what it looks like to serve. And the reason why I bring this up is because I want you to understand that Jesus had divine awareness. That he knew exactly who he was he knew exactly the purpose for which he was on earth, what he was to fulfill. And he was divinely aware of the presence of his heavenly father. And there are moments in scripture we see him withdraw from the crowds and withdraw from his friends and just go to the mountaintop and just sit at the feet of his father. We see this. But we also see Jesus fulfilling the role of Martha. We also see him in preparation. We also see him in ministry. We also see him busy. And yet even in those moments where he is serving, in those moments where he is giving, in those moments where he's knocking things off his to-do list, he is divinely aware of the presence of his father. That's the challenge. What we're gonna do right now is we're gonna focus on in the midst of that divine awareness what Jesus did with his disciples is he prepared a meal for them and he broke bread. And he said, this, this bread, it represents something beautiful. It represents my body, which is gonna be broken for you. And every time you eat this meal, remember me. Let me be present with you when you take this bread. And then in the same way, he takes the cup and he pours it and he begins to pass that cup around. And he says to his disciples, this, it's, this is going to be that, that, that moment where when you take that cup, remember me. I'll be present with you in that moment. And so friends, right now, what I want to do is I want to invite you to the table that Jesus set. I want to invite you to, to participate in the meal that he prepared for you. And so when you're ready, I, I want to invite you to come. There are tables set up in the front, in the middle, and at the back. And Why don't we have you all stand right now, and then you come to the table when you're ready.
Friends, Jesus, he loves Mary and Jesus loves Martha. And the point of this whole thing, and I hope you get it, it's not that you would move in with your older sibling who's responsible and quit your job and pick up strum and worship tunes, you know. And it's, it's just this, it's that you would realize that what Jesus says to Martha, he's saying to you and to me. He's saying few things are needed. And so focus on what's important. Prioritize, be willing to trim. Listen to him, be discerning. And then the second thing, but only one thing is required. And that is that we invite Jesus into all the moments of our life this season. Okay? We invite him into the moments with our family. We invite him into the moments with our friends. That we're present, that we're mindful, and that we're worshiping even as we're going about the daily tasks of life. So why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes and let's pray together. Jesus, we want to thank you for how you model this for us. We want to thank you for how you unburdened Martha. And in doing so, you've, you've unburdened all of us as well. And we ask, Lord, that you would instruct us, show us what are the few things that are needed. Show us how important this one thing that's required really is. And allow us to really soak in the moments with you this season. That we would know your love. That we would experience your grace. That we would walk in your joy this season. Because Jesus, we do declare that you are the reason for it. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.